0: Hello, this is Joseph Carlson, and this is episode three of Gaming with Grief. I, um, In this episode, I'm going to talk about, if you see the description, I'm going to talk about um, my wife and I, well, my wife's first uh, miscarriage of our first child, <laughs> we're expecting. It was on um, April 4th, uh, 2017. Um, we came back from a vacation. We went on vacation right after my wife's... Uh, you know, we, I took her out to the Bay Area for like a trip for her birthday. And, um, yeah, I was really happy. We had a good time in the Bay Area. It was really fun. And, um, you know, uh, we got back then, uh, she wasn't feeling good. She went to go to the bathroom late at night. It was like probably two in the morning, uh, the morning of the fourth. And, um, you know, She screamed. And, uh, you know, she had a miscarriage at home. So we had to go to the hospital, uh, very late at night and, uh, or early in the morning. And we had to talk to doctors and, uh, she needed to have surgery. It's basically called a, a DNC, which is a way that they have to remove any tissue that is, um, you know that is there because of the um pregnancy you know like if the placenta is left if there's anything left she has to um have it removed so i asked the doctor and they said it was really similar to a um to a uh, an abortion that this is the same procedure they use when women have to come in for an abortion. So, um, it's really graphic. I don't want to get too graphic, but I was there when my wife went through that, her family was there. Uh, then she had to wait in the hospital for recovery. And, uh, you know, it was a rough couple of days, obviously it's still rough. Um, but in the hospital, it's really rough. I didn't game a lot because, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just devastating. You know, you're just kind of in shock the whole time. And, uh, uh, Again, if you look at the description, you see it's called uh, Son Daughter. And that's because since we're a little bit older, we did genetic testing and we were under the impression that we were having a boy. We were told after we got the results of the genetic testing that there wasn't any problems with the baby, Uh, but that um, we uh, were going to have a boy and we were overjoyed, you know, and we um, were thinking of a name. Uh, we thought we were going to have a girl. I think we came up with Ellie was the name. And, um, but then they're like, you're going to have a boy. So then we uh, came up with um, another name. We weren't really, we didn't really know at that point. We we hadn't really come up with anything because it was very early on in the pregnancy. I think she was 11 weeks in. So we still were kind of grappling on a name. We didn't decide on a name yet. And, um, you know, what happened was after the, miscarriage and stuff. We went home and she recovered. We both took bereavement. You know, we were both in shock. Um, And we were just kind of like at home, relaxing, uh, kind of emotionally recovering. Uh, Both of our work sent us flowers, which was very nice. And, uh, you know, we were just kind of very quietly going through our days. I did play the Switch a little bit uh, you know, just to, like, I think I played Mario Brothers, you know, just to, uh, kind of, uh, deal with what was going on. And, uh, it was just surreal. I don't really know if I was, I don't think I was really using games to hide or anything like that. I think I was just, um, you know, I was just kind of in shock the whole time and just trying to be there for my wife. And, uh, you know, when we were leaving the hospital, a lot of nurses and doctors told us that, This is actually more common than people, than women admit, and, you know, many women don't talk about it, and he said, you know, it's, I think one of the doctors said there's like basically a 20% chance that your uh, pregnancy can end in a miscarriage, Um, and so several nurses, uh, we had about three, I think two or three nurses come in at the end and say, this happened to me, or, you know, this happened to a family member or something like that, and they said, you know, it's more common than anybody ever wants to admit. So, um, you know, it was just really kind of shocking to hear that so much. So, you know, we were at home recovering. I Again, I think the you're going to probably hear about the Nintendo Switch a lot during this podcast because it's portable, and it's a really easy way to, you know, uh, if you have a few minutes or like I was in the hospital, and my wife was sleeping because, you know, they were medicating her uh, to monitor her uh, temperature and things and just make sure she didn't get a fever, get an infection. And so there was, um, you know, some, there was some talk of her, you know, there was me basically using the switch. So um, me sitting there playing, you know, something for, like, five minutes to distract my brain and then turning it off because, you know, you really can't focus, but you still want to be distracted, you know, from... Uh, and, you know, you're not able to sleep, and then you have to think about going back to work, and it's just really kind of terrible thing, you know? And, uh, yeah, it was... A, it, I mean, it still is rough, I think, about uh, that day a lot still. And, again... Uh, Based on the title, the kicker was about a week after we got back from the hospital and uh, my wife had recovered and we were both back to work, probably like two weeks after. It was revealed to us that there was a mistake in the lab and that we actually weren't having a boy, that we were going to have a girl. So, you know, my wife found this out, I think, at the end of the day, on a like midweek, and, you know, it and felt like losing my kid all over again, you know? And my wife felt the same way. She was really angry. And uh, we went back to her doctor. um, And they, you know, they said, uh, you know, we're very sorry. And, you know, the person will be reprimanded. And that, you know, not only do they do testing for sex in the genetic testing in the lab for problems with genetics. They do, you know, the gender testing for babies. And they also, uh, did, did try to detect early detective other disease like cancer. And so for them to make a mistake is, you know, a really big deal. And, uh, so we were really upset. They were upset. You know, they said it was going to go on the person's review and that, you know, it was, it was a really big deal, but I mean, it still doesn't make you feel any better about what happened. Um, we actually, my wife and I are religious, so we donated the remains of our, uh, child to, um, the embryo to, um, the hospital, because we thought that would be a responsible way because our thing is, one, they have to do tests on it to determine what happened, but we said if there's any way that this can help other people, we'd, we'd love that, you know? And, uh... Yeah, so it's it was it's really rough, I you know, I think about I mean there's a lot I'm going to talk about with loss, but like that was really difficult, you know, because you you know, everybody wants to start of well not everybody, but you know, if you're married and you're in a committed relationship, the next step is usually kids. You know, you're going to have kids, you're going to have a family and um it's devastating, you know. And then you start seeing I remember being in the hospital with my wife and we were in the Neonatal NICU, the natal intensive ward, that's probably what I said it was redundant, but uh, um, it was um, it was devastating to walk around the halls and see photos of other babies, you know, uh, newborns, parents holding their newborns, um, really artistic, you know, like professional photographer, photos of babies on the wall, and um, you know it's hard. It's hard to see that. It's really hard to just walk through the halls and see those photos of people being so happy, you know, um carrying their bundle of joy home and you have you basically have to I mean, not only go through this terrible thing, but then go home and empty-handed, you know, and be reminded of everything that you saw and uh in those halls with the photos and you know, the nurses were really good. They were very understanding course i think for them things like this have happened before so obviously they might be kind of used to it um and uh it was it was just really really rough and i you know i still think about our first kid to this day it's been almost two years it's well actually it's been over two years and i still think about you know my daughter basically because uh as i've talked about before you know she was expecting again and we've gone through this a few times and uh they were confirmed to be male uh we saw later ultrasounds of our kids and they were uh clearly male you could see the penis so um you know i i was going to have sons you know so this would be the first time that i had a uh i was going to have a daughter and uh you know, it's just totally devastating. So um yeah. I uh I don't really know what to say. I mean, everybody has a different experience. It's it's weird that we've my wife and I have like gravitated to watching people's experiences online now what's what they went through. And um it seems like most people I'm, I'm kind of happy for them but kind of not at the same time because this does happen to people and then they have a phrase called a rainbow baby. So, you know, after you have a terrible thing like a miscarriage happen, you probably, I mean, if, whatever you decide, but if you decide to try again and you have another kid, they called it and, and you know, the the child is delivered to term and there's no problems, they consider the next kid to be a rainbow baby. And um, everybody told us, well, you know, don't worry. Uh, you know, the, the next kid will be your rainbow baby, that it'll be glorious. And uh, we even found out that a close friend of ours uh, was a rainbow baby, that his mother uh, had a miscarriage early on and then had him. And so she said, don't worry about it. This is something that's, you know, it's tragic. Uh, she was religious, but she said this is tragic, but, you know, you'll get through it and you'll be so overjoyed when you see, you know, your your child, it'll be amazing. And, uh, I, yeah, we were really looking forward to it, you know? So, I mean, it's one of those things where like, I really don't know what to say to people, um, like when it happens. But again, it's weird watching these stories online because most people that have gone through it, um, have children. So I don't know if that makes it easier. Uh, I haven't. Really talk to those women. I've just heard experiences online and through podcasts that I've been watching, and it's um it's pretty amazing uh, that women are able to, you know, y- that you're able to deal with that and like, you know, compartmentalize it. But then, you know, if you have kids, then that's ultimately probably item, like the ultimate joy. You know, like I want to be a father. It would be amazing if I had a kid. But you know, like my wife's and I situation is different because it it hasn't worked out for us yet. You know, um, we have had three, we've, we've had, my wife's had two miscarriages and one, uh, our middle, the middle pregnancy, our son was actually born very early. And, um, I mean, I'll get into it another episode, but basically we haven't had it. We were, we don't have a child. So it's, it's a different situation. You know, you can't, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm slightly jealous of the people that, you know, the adversity, they're able to be like, well, that, that was terrible, but I have this wonderful, you know, that was a year ago or two years or whenever they decide, they say, now I have this bundle of joy and I'm able to kind of move on with my life. And uh, we we haven't had that yet. So it's, uh, you know, you look at the situation, you're slightly jealous of that, that you're able to say, well, you know, because I'm sh- the what I've heard and seen women's reaction is like, you know, it kind of it does. I don't know if the you know the death was worth it, but now I have something to show for the heartache and the hardship that I went through, and um, you know my wife and I don't have that yet. So it's it's uh, it's difficult, you know. And um, I don't know. Uh, it definitely gives you a different perspective in movies and TV shows when women have said, you know, they mention that they've had a miscarriage. We saw um, my wife and I a few months ago watch that movie Instant Family. Uh, about um, Mark Wahlberg's in it, and Rose Bryn, I believe her name is. Uh, She's a pretty well-known actress. They both decide to adopt kids, and they go through the process, and I heard an interview with the director. Apparently, this is the process him and his wife went through. They adopted children. So they kind of shed light on it, which was really nice in the movie. It was a comedy. It was very funny, Um, but there's a very... There's a couple very early on that is there, and, you know, the people running the adoption agency, these counselors, you know, have this big group meeting with everybody to decide why they're there and, you know, what makes them want to adopt, and, you know, one of the the couples in the front, the woman starts crying and says, we just want some joy. And um, I think, you know, it was kind of a nod to, a very subtle nod to maybe, you know, the, the section of the audience, the women out there and the, you know, the fathers that have experienced loss that say, you know, we just want something, we just want a different outcome. And I think, uh, I think it was just a very powerful small scene that was like really amazing in that movie that it made me kind of slightly smile because it's like the director obviously knew. I mean, at least if I'm interpreting right, that's kind of what he knew and wanted out of that scene was just a a little nudge towards the people that have experienced that. And so it does it is obviously difficult to to read the news now with the talk of the abortion ban in different states because it seems like there's parts of those bills from what I've been reading that in a way criminalizes uh, miscarriages in a way. So you I don't know how it'll work, but it sounds like that a detective would talk to you if you had a miscarriage and you have to explain to him. Yes, it was a miscarriage. I didn't do um, you know, kind of like a backdoor um abortion. And uh I think that's terrible. You know, to go through something as bad as a miscarriage and then have to explain to somebody that no, it really is a miscarriage and then you could be considered a criminal for what happened to you. Um is pretty bad. And, and what I've told all my friends and we've talked about it is, um, I mean, it makes me really sad uh, that people want to criminalize that kind of thing. But also the idea that no one in the inner circle of the people writing legislation or their friends or family, it, basically no one stepped forward and says, this has been my experience. Why are you doing this? You know, you can't criminalize something that is more common than you think and like how are we going to deal with that and then i mean could you imagine being in jail you know committing b&e or uh, another crime like vandalism and then the person next to you ask you know why she's in here and she says oh i had a miscarriage you know like what is it, it just seems really strange to me and um, i don't know maybe i'm interpreting the information i'm reading wrong but it just seems kind of like a strange stretch and again how nobody in the orbit of these people writing the bill said, hey, this is something that can happen, and I don't understand, you know, why uh, these things are written into the bill. Um, It's just really strange to me. So, um, but what I, I will say this, uh, I probably should have said this at the top of the show, but I am not a licensed therapist. I uh, am just trying to share my experience with everybody. So, sorry if I sound preachy, but this is just, stuff that i'm going through and trying to experience things and um you know it uh i hope that by sharing this maybe some people say wow like it's there is other people out there that have experienced this uh you know his situation is different than mine but he's experienced loss and maybe we can talk about it i still haven't been able to get an email address i'm still working on that um but you can comment below at the website uh, gamingwithgrief.com um And uh, I should probably start giving all this info at the top of the show. Um, But this is the third episode, so I'm a little rough. Plus, uh, the other podcast I did, I had a host, a co-host. And um, so, yeah. Um, So it's me solo, so I'm trying to figure out a way to basically run it myself and things like that. But if you go to GamingWithGrief.com... Uh, I've enabled comments it's a squarespace website I've, uh you can write uh what you feel about the show and i'll uh I'll try to get back to you and maybe bring it up on the on the next episode um but I think leading into the next episode what I'll let you know is I started playing a lot of uh switch and uh, I started playing a lot of breath of the wild for whatever reason I played it when it launched um, actually, this is a few months after the switch launched so Uh, you know, the, uh, the game had launched and I started playing it and uh, my mother was sick, but I didn't think that it was going to be as bad as it was. And so I think that's where I'll leave it now. Next week, I'm going to talk about my mother and what she meant to me. And, um, there was a big kind of video game component to her passing away where I, um, it's kind of what I did to cope with her being not only in the hospital, but there was a lot of financial things. And, uh, you know, like I was paying her bills and just coordinating all these things of trying to get her financial aid because she was working part time. And although I was working, I also had bills. So I was trying to cover her expenses and things like that. I mean, I'll get into that next week, but, uh, there was a big gaming component to that because I wanted, uh, you know, I needed, Uh, kind of a psychological rest to what was going on. So um, that kind of concludes this episode. It was kind of short. There wasn't really a lot of gaming stuff. I was just trying to share, you know, what went on and stuff like that and uh, just kind of maybe give an overview. Um, I, again, am not a licensed bonded therapist. I am in therapy with my wife. Um, and one of the things the therapist asked me what I wanted out of therapy, um, I said I wanted to be able to express myself better. So, you know, my feelings and emotions, because most men, that's very hard to do. And so um, I'm working on that. And I think this podcast will help because it's it's really just me, you know, talking it out. So it's, uh, you know. It'll, I think slowly but surely these episodes are getting a little bit longer, maybe I'll open up a little bit more, but just to share with you guys, like if you are going through anything like this, you know, talk to your friends, talk to your family, if you're involved in church, talk to people at church, uh, if you can see a therapist, it's really important to try to get help because there's so many things going on in your head and so many things that you think are okay. Um, my wife and I are doing better now but it was very difficult in the beginning because you know we were both very just wrecked by what happened and you know I was a terrible husband I didn't listen I kept telling her you know I don't know what I don't know what to tell you I don't know what to say I can't make this all better you know and through therapy it's really helped us kind of talk stuff out and like we you know we didn't fight we just both like I know I just kind of shut down when everything happened and it's it's not the right way to go about everything. You know, I didn't turn to alcohol or drugs or anything. But, you know, there was a lot of days where I would just go in the den and play a game and just not interact with my wife, not ask how she was doing, just leave her alone, which is probably more bad than good. But, um, you know, I didn't say anything harmful to her, except, you know, I don't know what to say. And that's, that's part of the process. That's part of the, for me, it was. And I think with therapy, I'm getting better about, expressing how I feel about certain things. And, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, what we were feeling and things like that. Um, and it's, it's helped us a lot. So again, uh, I'm not a licensed therapist, but I'm going to therapy. If you have something going on in your life that you need help with, you know, if you've experienced loss or grief, you know, don't take the people around you for granted. Know that, uh, Your friends or family, you know, if if they care about you, if you have a relationship with them, they're going to be there to help you. And um, I still have people to this day asking how I'm doing and things like that. And, uh, you know, don't don't try not to push people away. It's the hardest thing ever to not do that. But, you know, we can't do it alone. I think we, we all need to have some people or somebody to lean on. You know, um, my wife and I, uh, I think, in a way, have gotten stronger for all this that's going on. And, um, you know, like I said, just remember, this is not, uh, it, it, it's terrible, but there there is a way through. So, again, if you can, uh, if you're religious, uh, go to church, talk to people in your congregation. If you're not, and you can work it out somehow, seek a counselor um, somebody who maybe you know, different psychologists and therapists deal with certain things. So some of them may deal specifically with grief and that, uh, that is very helpful, you know? And, um, if you have to go more than once a week, go more than once a week. If you have to, you know, if you feel that you can go every other week, I mean, basically what I'm saying is there's help out there. Uh, try not to push people away, which again is very hard. I'm still working on that. Um, try not to push people away. Get help, Um, and I think it's okay if you spend an hour to a day uh, playing a game just to kind of switch your brain off into another kind of avenue of thought. Because I think you will naturally get mentally from fatigued from just dealing with grief uh, so much. It'll suck the air out of the room, you know, and you have to, and you're still living in the room, so it's uh, it's not good, but. Again, there's a way out. Uh, if you have to look online, if you need like a support group, you know there's several people that could help. Maybe in a group setting that, is, that you may find helpful to you. So um, again, next week I'll get into my mother. Um, if you want to leave a comment, go to www.gamingwithgrief.com. Uh, leave a comment under the video, um, and I will inform you guys. I'll still work on trying to get a email address. It'll probably be Gmail. And when I get that going, I'll plug that on the website so you guys can, uh, you know, respond to that and, uh, you know, write write an email in and I'll read them over the air. And if you don't want to read over the air, that's fine. Just put in the, you know, in the email somewhere, like, you know, maybe at the end, do not read this over the air or uh, read this over the air. Or, um, you know, if you want to use a fake name, that's fine. But, um, you know, we could probably do it. I mean, we're doing this together, right? Like, that's the whole point. So um again uh have a good weekend uh if it's warm where you are enjoy the warm weather if it's cold where you are uh bundle up and throw another log in the fire and uh, fire up a switch or something or you know the ps4 or like roll out a board game with the friends uh and you know just try to have a good day and uh you know um i'll see you guys next week